Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Welcome back to Great Lakes Confidential with Angie and Mike. How are you? Good. I feel like... <laughs> like we've even, been here before? <laughs> yeah. Like, even though there is, like, so much pleasantness in your voice, I feel like there still is a little bit of a, a tinge of, we're doing this again, because Mike did not see how much space was on the memory card when he recorded this episode, which is why it's out late well, instead of on time. Listen... To be fair, we've all been there before, right? Like, this yeah, is, oh yeah. Like, you're not the first part. Like, I've done this myself, or you know, just really stupid, just things. Like, I mean, you know, just like right now, you were like, "Why isn't this? Why isn't there anything happening on the recorder?" And it's oh, we haven't turned our mics on. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you remember, but um. So when we recorded the last episode, um, or when we recorded this episode the first time, <laughs> we also recorded the episode that you will hear later in the week right. at its regular scheduled time. But before we could record that one, I was like, oh, I got to clear up the memory card. And I realized that it records a backup. And I was like, oh. And then I just deleted backups. And I after I did that, I was like, oh, no, because... The exact same thing happened in recording a soundtrack to my life where it ran out of You did tell battery. me about that. Yeah. yeah. That one was battery on the recorder, which is now why I have a power cord. Right. <laughs> um, so that one, I was, I was kind of wondering if I deleted a backup that maybe did exist. Right. But um, uh, there's a good chance that I deleted the backup for this. Uh, yeah. So That's anyway, fair. we're recording now. Yeah. And, um, Hey, Angie, I have a topic I'd like to talk about again. I love doing like re-records because you like you you like some of the things some of these things I have to try to pretend like I'm surprised about, but I'm clearly not. So yeah. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. So anyways, we're just going to pretend like we've never done this before. Right. So spend your disbelief. <laughs> You know what? Maybe if we change parts, like maybe if you read my notes and oh, you played the part of Mike go. this week and I can play the part of Angie. Put that down on my IMDb. Played Mike Bobbitt <laughs> on my podcast. 
All right. So, um, yeah, we're going to do this again. Now, what's your topic this week, Mike? One of the things Allison and I loved doing when we lived in Los Angeles was visiting sites where things were shot, like movies and TV shows. Like, I bet you'll never guess what is down the street from the Nightmare on Elm Street house. Actually, I forgot. The Laugh Factory. Oh, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was just kind of cool seeing things that were just everyday normal things. Uh, the National Lampoon's, I think the f- first vacation movie, That House, was right by us that we oh, would really? walk past. It was like between our house or our house, like we afforded a house in LA, <laughs> our tiny apartment and the Greek theater that we would take walks up to. Um, and there were a lot of, you know, large colonial houses mm-hmm. that were used in movies there. And uh, we stood outside the poltergeist house and we reenacted the end where Craig <laughs> T. Nelson says to the realtor, uh, you moved the tombstones, but you left the bodies, didn't you? Didn't you? <laughs> so it's Allison throttling me like she's Craig T. Nelson. I love it. Yeah. So, so side note, um, one of the things when you had said, let's, re- let's re-record on Saturday and we'll do it at your place because it's quieter. And um, I don't know if this is going to be picked up on any of the recordings. I'm not sure how great these mics are, but... There's a lot of noise outside because they've decided that they're going to blow all of the leaves behind, you know, out out of the yard for whatever reason. And so I don't know if like there's going to be sounds that are being picked up around me, but that's all I can hear is that. I got a way that if it is being picked up, how we can correct that. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, So one of the great things to do with the season changing in Michigan that you can't do in most of California is watching the leaves change. So Angie was so nice to get us a helicopter tour. (laughs) So if you hear the sound of the helicopter in the background, that's That's what what it is. We are flying over Michigan, watching all the beautiful fall colors. So back to your movie stuff. So you talk about the nightmare on Elm street house and um, as you were walking in the apartment, I was finishing up a uh, cinematic masterpiece. Um, yes. You may have heard of it, Freddy versus Jason. Uh, and at the beginning, when they show the house, I was like, ah! Yeah. Oh, they do show it. <laughs> yeah, at the yeah, yeah. They show that? it. Oh, yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah. They show it a couple different times because that's where the 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 main girl lives is in that house. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was just kind of a funny tie back to the podcast what is pretty cool about that house is it is largely unchanged Mm -hmm. where you know like they put bars on the windows uh in one of the movies but um yeah it looks pretty much identical where you know some of the things like the house from et the landscapings all change. And I, I think because a lot of these are private residences, uh, maybe people are just like, yeah, we don't want people taking yeah. pictures in front of our house going phone home. <laughs> I almost watched that movie today, too. You almost watched E.T.? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But Freddy versus Jason is almost going to be gone from whatever I was whatever stream. You are probably the only person who's like, what should I watch today? E.T. or Freddy versus Jason? It was um, it was one of those two or a Disney movie. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, there's a lot. That's why I love you. There's a lot happening in this brain of mine. There really is. (laughs) (laughs) That you're my favorite kind of weirdo. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. So how does this tie into Michigan? Well, uh, there have been a ton of movies shot in Michigan. So I thought I would do a little virtual tour of some of my favorites. Uh, I just got done recording an episode of Soundtrack to My Life with my friend Johnny Mockney, who hosts the We Are Movie soundtrack. And I told him that I was coming over here to record this again. <laughs> and um, he was like, oh, did you cover this? Did you cover this? Did you cover this? Of I was course like, they're, they did. They're on my list. <laughs> um, but um, the only one, uh, there is one. That is a movie, actually, that I discovered through Johnny that is on my list. But um, there are a ton of these. So if people like this episode, please let Angie know, either via email or the Facebook group, that you like this episode. And I'd be happy to do another yeah. one. So. And maybe we'll have Johnny on the show. Yeah. We could do the next one and have him come on. And he could share some of the stuff with us, too. Yeah, that's he's true. He's obviously very knowledgeable. So. He is super knowledgeable. All right, so what's your first movie? First one is True Romance, which is a nice kind of segue between uh, Los Angeles and Detroit because it takes place in both Los Angeles and Detroit. It's a movie uh, written by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, it stars Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. And uh, it, it's sort of a sweet... Uh, true romance uh wow. just like a romance yeah. between a couple of weirdos it starts off where it's christian slater's character um clarence worley's birthday and he's watching a sunny chiba marathon at a movie theater that's supposed to be shot in detroit but it was actually shot at the vista in silver lake which was a couple blocks away from where Allison and I lived in Los Angeles. So I would walk there all the time to go see movies. It's just a single theater, uh, single screen theater. And every time I would go there, I would tell Allison, I'm going to Detroit to watch a movie <laughs> because it was supposed That's to cute. be Detroit. Yeah. Um, and for punk rock nerds, it's also the cover of Suicidal Tendencies Lights Camera Revolution. Nice. But let's talk about the Detroit locations, because even though that was set in Detroit, was not shot in Detroit. In the movie, Christian Slater's uncle or dad is played by Dennis Hopper. He plays Clifford Worley, and he works at the Packard plant on East Grand Boulevard at Mount Elliott. And he lives in a trailer on the Detroit River. And while there is no actual trailer on the Detroit River. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that was made for the movie, but that location was actually shot in Detroit. Um, Christian Slater's character and Patricia Arquette's character go to um, question the police um, about a crime. And that was shot at uh, the police station at 1300 Bobian on the northeast side of downtown Detroit. Uh, but they also do get married at the beginning of the movie, and that was shot in Detroit at the Wayne County building at 600 Randolph Street in Detroit. Mm. It's a great movie. I've never seen it. I know. We I'm trying to... I'm going to Google the cover, because I, like, I find it hard to believe that I never would have seen it, but I just can't remember watching it. And also my other thought, especially 1993, like I was watching movies in 93, yeah, right? It's it's phenomenal. Um, it's not directed by Quentin Tarantino. It's a script of his that he sold before Reservoir Dogs. He sold this and Natural Born Killers. And Oliver Stone made Natural Born Killers, which Tarantino was not a fan of. Uh, 
and then Tony Scott, who was Ridley Scott's brother who killed himself, made this one. And this has a lot of what you would expect from a Quentin Tarantino movie. It has Samuel L. Jackson in it, actually. Uh, and it's probably my favorite Sam Jackson quote in a movie, which, uh, because it's a Sam Jackson quote, <laughs> obviously I can't share on the podcast. Uh, yeah, Sam Jackson's in a scene with uh, Gary Oldman's character, uh, who lives in a motel. His character's name is Drexel, and he is a... In, it, it's one of those... Gary Oldman roles where he's unrecognizable. Uh, he's and while, kind of the best. Yeah. yeah. And while that is set in Detroit, uh, the motel is not actually in Detroit. Okay. So, yeah. I recognize like the cover of these, I don't know, VHS tapes. It's probably what they would have been. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't. And like, there's a couple of still shots and I'm like, why does that look familiar? So I may have seen it. But if it was a 1993 when I saw it, that was a really long time ago. Yeah. And I don't remember much of 1993. So uh, you have lived a life since then. I, I've lived a couple. Yeah. Um, also, is Christian Slater still like, does he still do stuff? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Uh, I know he did that Mr. Robot TV series. No. But I don't know what he's done since. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just wondering. <laughs> So the next movie I want to talk about was shot entirely in Michigan. And this is the movie that Johnny Mockney did turn me on to. It is a 1959 movie uh, made by Otto Preminger called Anatomy of a Murder. Yes. Yes. It is a great courtroom drama. And uh, a lot of film critics and legal experts consider it. Uh, maybe the best courtroom drama ever made in the most accurate depiction of a trial. It is based on a real life murder trial that took place in Marquette County. And it was shot entirely in Marquette County in the Upper Peninsula. Is there some tie to that movie? Is there like something about a lighthouse in that movie maybe? Because after I was thinking about it a little bit more, um, we did an episode last season about lighthouses. And okay. I want to say we mentioned anatomy of a murder in that episode. It may not have been that episode. It may have been a different one, but for some reason I'm thinking it's a lighthouse episode. Maybe not that I am pulling. Okay. Off the top of my head. Like, like the murder centered, like there was something to do with the lighthouse and the the actual murder that happened. Something I can't remember the connection. If I think about it, then I'll I'll let you know. But okay. I, but yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like there because I remember mentioning it mentioning it on season one of this show, and I want to say that it was around the same time that you guys released the episode on that movie on. Oh, okay. Your movie podcast, you made me watch because I vaguely remember being like, oh, there's that connection somehow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, okay. I don't know. Maybe it's not what I'm thinking. Anyways. Yeah. I, I don't remember 100%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But this was based on a true story yes. that happened in Marquette. Yeah. And uh, uh, John Volker, uh, who was a Michigan Supreme Court justice, actually wrote a book about the murder but he wrote it under a pen name 
and uh, parts of the movie were shot at his real life house. Uh, Jimmy Stewart plays the lawyer in the movie and his character runs a law practice out of his home and his home was shot in the real life home of John Volker in Ishpeming. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It, so many locations from up there still exist to this day. The murder happened in Big Bay, Michigan. It's a small town in Marquette. Uh, and yeah, even though the movie's, you know, over 60 years old, uh, so many of the locations are still there. Uh, you can stay at the Tropic Thunder Bay Inn, which is, or the historic Thunder Bay Inn. There's nothing tropical about the Upper <laughs> Peninsula. Uh, it's a beautiful hotel, and it was used for the movie. Uh, a lot of the movie, t- uh, well, the murder for the, within the movie happens in a bar, which is located, uh, like, kind of off an inn. Okay. So they built a fake exterior for that off the Thunder Bay Inn, and that exterior for the bar still exists that's, like they just left it standing because that's they knew weird it would be a tourist attraction yeah that's crazy i love it yeah um and the bar in the movie barney's Quil- barney quill's bar uh the interior was shot in ishpeming also at tripoli bar um and the owner of the tripoli uh, or the owner yeah the owner of the tripoli which i'm sure it's changed hands a few times over the last 60 years even left the fake bullet holes from the movie in the wall because he knew that it would be kind of a tourist attraction. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I wonder how many murders happen up there. Probably not a lot. Yeah. Probably I mean, not a lot. a lot of space between people. Yeah. I feel like the less people have their own big personal bubble, the more murders happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's all we really want is just space. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amen, sister. Yeah. I would have murdered way less people if people just stayed away from me. Um, I wasn't going to admit to any of my shortcomings, but thank you so much for sharing. Oh, I have so many shortcomings. (laughs) The number of cold-blooded murders I've committed is probably doesn't even crack the top 10 of shortcomings that Hmm. I have. It's interesting. I think that's a different episode, different, a whole different show, actually. Yeah. We call the morbid girls and see if you can we can get you on that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I uh, I don't have a lot of patience when it comes to customer service people. Yeah, that's probably right up there too. <laughs> so most of the movie uh, Anatomy of a Murder takes place in a courthouse, and all of that was shot at the Marquette County Courthouse at two thirty four West Baraga Avenue, and it looks pretty much the same to this day. They really kept it intact as a historic building so um i can't recommend the movie enough and if you're in marquette definitely go check out some of those yeah yeah uh, i feel bad i've been up in marquette a couple of times now since uh seeing that movie and i wish i had had more time to go explore and because that's the nerdy thing I, i really like doing yeah so yeah so, uh, speaking of nerdy things, uh, I told you this. Oh, no, I don't think I told you that. Maybe I did. I don't know. So, we're going to talk about Beverly Hills Cop. Okay. What I would do as a kid, and I saw this movie in 1984 when it came out when I was 12 years old. I was which four. Is, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. If there was a movie that I really liked, 
I would write the novelization to a sequel and the sequel would always include a character that would be a, a little white kid who was about 12 years old. <laughs> so Beverly Hills Cop 2, as written by 12-year-old Mike Bobbitt, involved uh, Axel Foley having to take a 12-year-old... I don't remember if he was like a junior detective or what, or if he witnessed a crime. I might have used like a lot of the plot of the movie Witness for this. Uh, But yeah, it was a buddy, an unlikely buddy picture between Eddie Murphy and 12-year-old Mike Bobbitt. You thought I couldn't make re-recording this podcast fun? Yep. It's like Tango and Cash, but with <laughs> yep, exactly pre a preteen white kid. Yep, and Eddie Murphy. Yep, maybe one day I can find some of my masterpieces, oh, like Stand God, By I Me Two, so. the next summer, <laughs> and Lost Boys Two, where the Frog Brothers have to call in their cousin who looks strangely like. Mike Bobbitt. Oh, God. I hope you find these. Please so do. do. I. Please I really do. do need to find these. Yeah. That's podcasting gold. Turn those into screenplays and do dramatic oh readings of them. Oh, Jesus. Yep. So, Beverly Hills Cop is about a Detroit cop named Axel Foley, played by Eddie Murphy who goes to Beverly Hills, California to solve the murder of an old friend of his. And it opens with a really iconic chase through Detroit in the back of a cigarette truck. And I don't think any first unit photography was shot in Detroit. I think this is all second unit. I rewatched the intro for this podcast, and I noticed any of the scenes with the cigarette truck racing through Detroit you can never see the face of the guy <laughs> on the back of the truck. Uh, and there are only really a, a couple shots of him because while Eddie Murphy was, you know, really lean muscle, this guy looked, you know, pretty built. That's or funny. Or either that he had a lot of pads on or That's something so like that. so funny. And then it, it'll cut to like an interior of the back of the truck with Eddie Murphy kind of like swinging on the chains or... <laughs> You know, falling around in boxes of cartons of cigarettes. And it's like, oh, this is just on a soundstage someplace where they're like, hey, Eddie, we got a couple of grips moving the fake truck back and forth. Can you just sit in there while we shoot some stuff? Just some bodybuilders pushing this, pushing the truck back and forth. Yeah. Bodybuilders, if you're lucky. Just probably a couple of like union grips with plumber cracks. And as soon as we get this, we can break for lunch. But yeah, I I always thought a lot more of it was shot in Detroit because then Detroit police chief Gil Hill plays Eddie Murphy's boss on the Detroit Police Department in the movie. But now very little was, but it's a pretty impressive action sequence. Like you can go on YouTube and watch the intro to Beverly Hills Cop uh, for free. It's like seven minutes. It starts with Glenn Fry doing The Heat Is On, and then it goes into the Pointer Sisters doing Neutron Dance, <laughs> which are two phenomenal songs from that soundtrack that I did own on cassette. Uh, but yeah, there's a, it's kind of a neat spotlight of what Detroit looked like 
back then before it got so gentrified and stuff. And there's uh, really neat, authentic things. Like there's a, a guy wearing a T-shirt for the Ebony Showcase Lounge that still exists today. It's on Seven Mile, which is right where we are right now, actually, uh, on Seven Mile. Where, Like, where is this place at? Uh, it's in Detroit. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's we're, back that Yeah, way. we're in okay. a suburb of Detroit yeah. right now. I don't want to give the exact location, but we're one block away from where Allison and I used to live. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Yeah, so you can stalk and find us. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, I thought it was kind of funny, too, because the font and the design for the uh, Showcase Lounge looks exactly like old t-shirts for blondies that was also on seven mile and like the token lounge which is now owned by the guy who owned blondies oh interesting yeah so it's like one t-shirt company was just like yeah i will use this font and (laughs) just oh good i can keep all the typeset for seven mile detroit (laughs) yeah it's really cool there's uh there definitely are a lot of big action sequences that are shot in Detroit there like a bus skids down the uh I think it's uh Grand River that it's skidding down sideways uh and it has like a WDRQ uh ad on the side of the bus um so yeah lots of it were shot on Grand River West Jefferson and some smaller side streets like Waterman Winder and Jackson so you can see a lot of the locations, even though I'm sure they look completely different yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, there's like Gucci stores down there and like, yeah. I'm sure it's very different. Yeah. Also, it made me think of what's that movie? Isn't that there's a documentary or something that Michael Moore did on Flint from the in the oh, 80s? Yeah, 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 yeah. You've watched it, right? Yeah. It's so funny to me to watch like old stuff like that and think like everything was brown and gray you know what i mean like all the cars were brown yeah like a variation of like brown or gray or like a weird baby blue or like a weird like off white ish color yep but like everything around like buildings and everything everything was just like very like flat yeah and it just i don't know sometimes i like think about how like old movies always and it's like did was that really what everything looked like or is that like do they just kind of did they do some sort of movie magic and make it look like yeah, that I mean, or a lot of it is color grading too but you know what i mean it's just yeah. so weird and uh, while i agree with a lot of michael or roger um michael moore's point of view uh, almost turned him into James Bond. Roger Moore, uh, <laughs> he definitely is a very biased filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see him washing out the color a okay. lot to try to make things look more desolate and stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, that would make that does make sense. It's just so weird to think like when you watch a, a lot of those older movies that everything yeah. is just always the same colors. Yeah. Yeah. Like we didn't discover color until 1993. With true romance. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's a very bright movie. Uh, The next movie is a movie that was also shot entirely in Michigan. And it's a movie that I know you have seen and enjoy. And that's Gran Torino. Yes. Clint Eastwood movie. They shot for 33 days in Michigan uh, about 15 years ago. 
uh, around Gross Point. Has it been that long? Yeah. 15 years. Yep. The church where his character, Walter Kowalski, goes is St. Ambrose in uh, Gross Point. It's also the church where my ex-wife and I got married, and my ex-wife was buried, which uh, makes it hard for me to go back there. Yeah, yeah. The priest at that church is was then and still is Father Tim Pelk, who is a phenomenal guy. He's like super awesome and he has a great sense of humor. If you watch the behind the scenes footage on the DVD for Gran Torino, there's a, a scene where someone shows Clint Eastwood uh, inside the confession box. Someone hung an unforgiven poster <laughs> and that was Father Tim. And uh, Christine, my ex-wife, uh ordered that poster for Father Tim. Like, I love it. I'll find it for you. And yeah, yeah it was really neat. Uh, Clint stayed at the um, accommodation, the apartment for like visiting priests mm-hmm. um, because he didn't want to stay in a hotel and be hounded by press and paparazzi yeah. and stuff. So the whole time that they were filming, Christine would see him every night when uh he would go to bed and that's so crazy. You know, he would just kind of walk in and be like, Good night, ma'am. And she would say, Good night, Mr. Eastwood. And then call me up and be like, Oh my God, he just said yeah. good night to Mr. Eastwood. <laughs> so yeah, it was pretty cool. Such a good, good movie. It's it's one of those movies that it gives you feel good for sure. Cause as you watch like his transition, but it's absolutely devastating at the end you know it's just like soul crushing and um obviously i told you this the last time we recorded this episode but um when i was in college i had a death and dying class because i was taking health service administration so one of my classes was called death and dying and we had to write papers about like a movie or a piece of literature that talked about dying and so spoiler alert uh you know, people die in Gran Torino if you've not seen it. But um, I, but that's what I wrote my paper on was was the movie Gran Torino because it was yeah. just such it's such a powerful because it's like from the very beginning all the way to the end. That's all it is. It's just yeah. it's just death. Yeah. But but like talked about and done in this super beautiful and extremely relatable way that y- you kind of. I think that if you didn't know what to expect, it would be very like, what? Like, what is this movie about? Yeah, the movie was kind of maligned and accused of being racist, I think, because it was at a time that Clint Eastwood came out as like super right wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that that is, like you were saying, part of the character's growth. And... Uh, you know, it it is a story about redemption. Mm-hmm. And it is a really beautiful story. Um, the climax, the face-off that he has with the Hmong gang in the movie is shot in Highland Park uh, at 217 Pilgrim Street. Even though all of this seems like it's within walking distance of the church, it's really not yeah. in real life. And his house that he lives in the movie is also in Highland Park at 238 Rhode Island Street. Um, and like I said, these are private residences. So if you do want to go, you know, be respectful yeah. of yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, VFW Hall in the movie where he has a lot of... Uh, coming to God conversations Mm -hmm. with the priest in the movie was shot at a real life uh, VFW hall. It's post 6756 in Centerline. 
And the barbershop from the movie is in Royal Oak. It's Widgren's Barbershop on 11 Mile. Hmm. One thing that is walking distance from St. Ambrose is the hardware store in the movie where he goes to outfit the uh, young kid as mm. he's kind of redeeming himself. And that was shot at uh, Point Hardware and Lumber on Kirchival. And is, that's still there? Yep. Cool. Still there. That's and, cool. Uh, there's some really nice restaurants now on Kirchival, uh, but the side of the street where the hardware store is, a lot of that still looks... You know, pretty like I imagine it probably looked that way, like when my mom was a kid growing up on the yeah. east side of Detroit. So yeah. that's crazy. We our vet is the Gross Point Animal Hospital. Oh, okay. Um, which I've gone there for over twenty years since I was married to Christine, because she used to live in Gross Point, and coincidentally, Allison, my wife now, uh, used to live in Gross Point as well. Oh wow! Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, we go see uh, uh, yeah Dr. Herzog in uh, Gross Point all the time because he's just a phenomenal vet. He uh, he looks like Carl Reiner, <laughs> and I I don't know how old he is, but he might be closer to age to Carl Reiner than Rob Reiner. <laughs> and uh, I called one time and it just went to a busy signal and I was like, Oh no, the number got disconnected because Dr. Herzog is dead. Oh, Jesus. Uh, but no, he's still alive and <laughs> he won't retire. Cause he's like, what else am I going to do? Yeah, yeah exactly. He's, just, he's a guy who loves what he does and he's really good at That's it. That's cool. So, uh, speaking of people who love what they do and are good at it, you and I are both big horror movie people. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, while, predominantly or at least first known for doing the evil dead movies are not big horror fans i did not know that yeah they seems untrue it is true (laughs) okay (laughs) they met in beverly hills michigan and uh, which is a an even richer suburb of (laughs) bloomfield hills And uh, sam raimi had a lot of film equipment and he liked to make sort of like Three Stooges comedy films where he could torture his brother Ted and his friend Bruce. <laughs> and uh, and it, they were good at it and yeah. people enjoyed their movies. So when they were in college, they were like, you know, I bet if we made a horror movie because it's a genre that makes its money back because people will go see a horror movie just because it's a just horror movie. Just because. <laughs> uh, I bet if we made a horror movie, we could probably make money. And they did that, and they Evil Dead became a cult hit. Yeah. So they basically remade it as Evil Dead 2, but they injected some of the Three Stooges comedic sensibility that they had. And I knew that the cabin from the movie and pretty much all the movie was shot in Tennessee, but I was surprised to find that Michigan was also listed as a filming location. Okay. So I was like, Wait, I mean, it's a mo- these are two movies that take place in and around a cabin in Tennessee. What could have been shot here? Uh, The cabin that they shot the movie at did not have a cellar, but the cabin in the movie does have a cellar. (laughs) So anything involving the cellar, looking at the cellar door, looking up from the cellar door, being in the cellar, was shot at producer Rob Tappert's family's farm in Marshall, Michigan. So would it not have been cheaper to just like find another location in Tennessee and just do everything there? I I don't know. Like 
if you think about how run down that cabin is, why would a cabin that run down even have a cellar? Yeah. 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 We have to find out. Right. If anybody knows the answer to that question, I need to know. Yes. Because it seems kind of silly to already spend the money to be down in Tennessee to film and then also have to bring all of that stuff back to Michigan for such a small piece it could have also been that they that was the only location they could get either for free or dirt cheap. Okay. And they were probably like, well, we can probably, you know, because there's so much innovation, like that classic entity point of view thing mm-hmm. that Sam Raimi does, you know, that's been copied by so many filmmakers after that. That was just putting a camera on a couple of two by fours and having people run through the woods carrying cameras and stuff like that. Like everything he did was shot on such a ridiculously low DIY budget. That's crazy. Yeah. I love it. Yep. (laughs) So that farm is no longer in the Tappert family. It is owned by another family who have tried to make sure that location is not readily available (laughs) online. It is uh, super easy to find online, in fact, before I even found what was shot there, I found the location of it first. Um, and they just don't want anyone. To, yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. It's a location that just feel happy knowing that it's in Marshall, Michigan, but uh, be respectful to that family and stay away from it. Yes. So, yeah. Another horror movie, because you and I both love the genre, but this is a horror movie that neither of us really enjoy that much. <laughs> is it follows nope i know i am it's pretty remarkable though that it cost 1.3 million dollars to make and theatrically alone it made 20 million dollars i don't understand and i don't i have friends that are like i love this movie and i'm like i'm rethinking our friendship you know I, i feel that way about usual suspects like anytime someone says that Usual Suspects is one of their favorite movies, I'm always like, it makes me kind of go like, yeah, but have you ever really stopped to think about how that movie's actually garbage? Like, <laughs> it, it's not nearly as clever as it thinks it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I think It Follows is a movie kind of like the movie Smile that just came out recently, where it has a really neat premise, but it doesn't stick the landing. It's like like a Stephen King book. It it doesn't end well. There was definitely some, there was some, like, not promise. There was potential. There was definitely potential to those, both of those movies. I didn't really like Smile either. Yeah. And my best friend, Lauren, she liked Smile, but we saw it together in the theater when we were down in Florida last year, and we both walked out going, what the F? Like, Okay, so she didn't really... She At first, she was just like, what? And I guess, I don't know if she saw it a second time, or if she thought about it more, or she read something about it, or what, but now she's like more on the side of she likes it, and I'm like, nah, no. Yeah, see, that's one of those things, though, like... That and finding out that, you know, Johnny Mockney, who we mentioned earlier, loves the movie Malignant, where it makes me feel like maybe I'm wrong because I assume Lauren is the Lauren that I know. as Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. She's a person who knows her stuff Mm -hmm. when it comes to the genre. So 
her liking it makes me go, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> because like she's someone who I'm like, no, her opinion actually kind of matters it on does. this topic. So uh, yeah, yeah, but there's another movie too, and we're just kind of going off on a tangent now, but um Hereditary. So many people loved Hereditary. Yeah, I, I love Hereditary. I was not like a fan of it. I'm like, okay. And I don't know if it was because I watched it when I had COVID and maybe I like maybe I fell asleep and I don't remember all of it or I'm not sure. But there's so many people that love Hereditary and I'm like, "Mm." I feel like Hereditary is probably one of those things that based on the day that you were having when you saw it probably factors in a lot because um Hereditary is definitely polarizing, but mm-hmm. it's a movie that I think is pretty pretty great. But listen, I'm not wrong. <laughs> it's your podcast. You're not wrong. So anyway, it follows. Uh, a lot of it was shot in Clawson, Michigan, which is where writer director David Robert Mitchell is from. Uh, the pool sequence and everything that takes place in Lawson High School <laughs> is actually Clawson High School. And knowing that, if you look at all of the signs that say Lawson, notice the odd spacing because basically they scrubbed out the capital C and ca- lowercase l to put a capital L in. So it's always like, you know. City of extra half space Lawson. I'm gonna find I'm gonna find stills of that and post it on our Facebook. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> well, I I think because Clawson is a township, you won't have a lot of like city of yeah, you know. So it's probably usually, but I I bet anything that's supposed to be aligned to the left is probably like odd spacing or something <laughs> like that. So um, yeah, the pool uh, which is the scene of a big face off is uh the interior stuff for the pool with the actual pool is the pool at Clawson high school. Uh, the exterior is that, uh, the waterworks, uh, downtown, um, the houses in the suburbs where the it, uh, is, is, um, like the shot of like the, the person that it is looking like Mm -hmm. on the roof is, uh, in Sterling Heights. And, um, the house when the character Greg, uh, when the it looks like Greg and smashes a window to get into a house. Both of those are pretty much across the street from each other on a street called Trafalgar. Uh, it's 38721 and 38748 hmm. are the two locations for that. Um, and then you covered the Redford Theater on a season one episode mm-hmm. of this podcast. Twelve. Hours uh, or a scene in the movie was shot at the Redford Theater. They were able to shoot there for 12 hours. And a lot of the volunteer staff are extras in the movie during that scene. That's exciting. Yeah. So uh, those are some of the filming locations for Michigan. I used a variety of sources. Um, one of the most useful ones was movie-locations.com. Uh, and there you can find photographs of many of these locations as well as the actual street addresses. Uh, MichiganBusiness.org had a really nice PDF all about It Follows. And they also had information there about the Michigan Economic Development Corporation um, that is a good resource 
for explaining things um, about like the film incentives, mm, which okay. was a very polarizing debate because one side that had a lot of my friends that work in the movie industry wanted the film incentives because it meant more work for them. But then the opposing side was like, or that money could go towards startup costs for small businesses and the production companies will just kind of be a short term boost to the economy where these others could be long term. So it, it was a very complicated issue that I saw both sides of. But um, yeah, that website has a lot of neat information about that. Uh, if you want to educate yourself on that and economic growth in general in Michigan. So that's awesome. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. And I thank you so much for letting me do that. Yeah, because uh, absolutely. I just threw a couple ideas out at you and you were like, all right, let's see how it goes. I am up for just about anything. So okay. absolutely. I mean, you let me do it twice. Yeah. <laughs> I try to change it up enough the second Let's time. Let's hope where... there's not a third time. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> on that note, next week's episode is on a secret club. So Ooh. I know. I'm pretending like I don't know that already. <laughs> and then after that, we're going to let you take over again, right? Yeah. And you're going to uh... do, is it going to be a two-parter? It will be a two-parter because as I kept researching, uh, you told me when I did the Four Bears episode, uh, you usually do about four to six pages of notes per episode. And when I started researching, I ended up with 17 pages. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they're going to be dense. And uh, it was kind of dry. So I hope that I present it kind of fun. It's a person who you've mentioned a lot on the podcast, and that is Mad Anthony Wayne. I'm excited. So, uh, yeah, it, there's some stuff in his story that I think uh, you are going to absolutely enjoy. Perfect. So yeah. next week is The Secret Club, and then the week after that, as well as the week after that, will be Mad Anthony. So Yeah. And if you have stories about uh, stuff that you saw filmed in Detroit, uh, my ex-wife worked at the American Red Cross when uh, Red Dawn was shot there. So she got to watch like vehicles blow up. And oh, stuff. wow. And our friend Quentin Hicks uh, has a, a, a nice size role in the movie Real Steel, uh, which I have not seen. But... Uh, uh, you know, he's someone that we, he was also a regular in the TV show Detroiters. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, if there, if you have a connection to movies and you like this episode, please let Angie know. And, uh, uh, I'd be happy to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure Angie will be like, when we do it again, it's once. Yeah, right? it's, we're that, just doing it one yeah. time. <laughs> if it's gone, it's gone. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, this is such a fun thing to do. And, um, we're just really, glad that you guys are enjoying it as much as you are um so tune in next week for the secret here on mountain club and matt anthony coming after that so have a great week and be safe and watch for deer and in the words of ash from evil dead groovy